Hey super friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. I'm joined today by writer Nick Good and artist Harry Hughes to talk about a brand new Kickstarter project called The Red Wave. The pair have worked together on a number of projects previously, including Snow the Dawn, The Eventide, and most recently Odyssey for Black Spot Comics. For The Red Wave, the pair are joined by letterer Pat Brusso, who you may know from his work on Sweet Tooth, Future State Immortal Wonder Woman, and Evolution. So without further ado, it's over to Nick and Harry to tell us all about The Red Wave. I am Harry Hughes, um, illustrator of, of, of The Red Wave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Nick Good, and I wrote The Red Wave. That's a really weird saying. It's, it's taken, I'm so used to saying like Snow the Dawn or whatever, but... Not this time. Oh, by the red wave now. Not this time. Not this time. No, no. So let's start at the very beginning. What is the red wave? So the red wave um, is a. It's the best way to describe it. Besides <laughs> the way that we've pitched it currently, which has a great word in it. So at the moment, we described it as a bodacious Ronin adventure story. That, Which is, that you deserve so many points just for using the word bodacious in a pitch. I, I, told, I told you we should have yeah. used it. <laughs> yeah. We we looked long and hard for that. And wasn't, we it, like, wasn't it bombastic? Bombastic was there for a while, and then we found bodacious, and we were like, "That's so much yeah, better." Yeah, bodacious. That describes it. To a Either way, we we played with bodacious and bombastic. So. Both very. Good you know, ways. we're not messing about. Basically, we're yeah. yeah. We're on big guns um, from the off. Yeah. So yeah, it it is um it's a four-part mini-series that we're hoping to to see through to the end and, and make. We're we're pretty invested in it, I think. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did we explain what it was? Did we say samurai story? You did say that part. Bodacious Ronin okay, Adventure. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bodacious it's all in that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bodacious is all you need to know. That's <laughs> all it is. So How did the idea for it come about? Where did this start from? Um, so it was two places, if I remember correctly. Harry and I both love samurai and like Edo period Japan. And it's just always been something that we're kind of visually saying looks awesome. Um, and the, the second side of it came from uh, when I was doing my degree, actually, I... Uh, I knew I wanted to write something samurai because Harry and I had literally been speaking about it. I think the week that I was having to make a decision as to what my dissertation would be, basically. And um, and then I started doing research on samurai and, and kind of their principles and honours and all this kind of stuff. And I just stumbled on um, information that I was like, oh, there is so much myth and so much um, kind of... Uh, hearsay stories about people and I thought well that's really interesting and then I landed on a story about swordsmiths and how swordsmiths in um kind of ronin and samurai kind of Edo period Japan were effectively deemed holy men so they were like they'd always dressed in white and there was this sense that when you get a sword crafted, there's like a heart to it, that there is a character to every sword. Um, it's like something that's like beaten into the steel. And that stuck with me for ages. And I just thought, oh, it'd be really cool to tell a story about a sword. Um, and then I sort of landed on this story about these, these two swordsmiths who are called uh, Muramasa and Masamuni. 
and the two of them are sort of opposite ends in the one sort of crafts swords that were deemed to be like the most beautiful and um, kind of like most honor bound swords and the other sort of crafted weapons for death, like for killing. And, um, and I just thought well, that's the makings of a, the start of a story. And then from there, it just sort of unraveled into sort of what you get, which is bodacious. <laughs> um, but it's, it's also just this kind of journey of two brothers and how they're intertwined with this, this fate of two blades, which have been lost to, to history. Um, yeah. And also the fact that I'm a massive history nerd, like the research section for Red Wave was amazing. Like I was so glad that um, I could say I was researching for a dissertation when in reality I was just literally just engulfed in anything. I was watching tons of Kurosawa. I was reading loads of Lone Wolf and Cub. I read Ronin by Frank Miller. I just went through loads of things. Um, and at the same time, I sort of went through a period of watching basically everything Tarantino. Don't know why. Okay. I was, I was I mean, just- That's a massive, that's a massive part. Yeah, I, I, I think as I was sort of getting into the story of it, I just went on a Tarantino binge. And- um, Interesting. We'd watched um, Hateful Eight. Yes. Yeah, I think that was it. I think I watched Hateful Eight and I was like, oh, I'd love to write something that's like about a group of people. And, um, and it all just sort of barreled into what is the red wave. So there's like, a lot of care and attention, I think, to the way the characters are talking. It's a hundred percent a character-driven piece. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, hugely yeah. character-driven. Um, it's yeah, it, it's definitely something that you know, in terms of I think our work anyway, is a complete gear shift, just in terms mm -hmm. of what we've been focusing on, and like it's very much less about the world and more about these people. And um, I think it's fair to say everything else we've done has been fairly like compact as a project. Yeah. So there's not anything. Um, quite as epic, I suppose, in scope as as the Red yeah. Wave. The Red Wave is very much would be would. I mean, I'm not going to say it's Lord of the Rings because that's a huge stuff, but it's it's like it's like our Lord of the Rings comparatively, right? Yeah, to, it, no, to it's the out there. Things. Yeah, it's it's better than Lord of the Rings. It's not like 900 pages long, I promise. <laughs> it's 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of touched on my next question, so I will I will adjust my wording slightly. But I've read a lot of your work at this point, and it is fair to say that you spent a lot of time doing contemporary stories or dystopian future stories. And you just said there you're a huge history nerd. So tell me a bit about writing a story that's not future based or contemporary based. Is that is there a different approach in how you you construct that kind of story when you've got so much history that's attached to it? What's that like? The truth is, it was really easy because it's historical. So you just copy and paste it. Copied it all. That's yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> or if you want to lean into my kind of like more sci-fi side, I time traveled. Mm. Um, just on the low key, I've invented time travel. It works. <laughs> um, I used it purely to write a story because that's the best use, apparently. Obviously. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, it... It's, it's definitely different in terms of, I, I don't think I've ever um, sat and kind of rewrote a script as often as I have with the Red Wave. There's been a lot okay. of rewrites. Yeah, yeah. Rewrites. Um, like it's existed, I think, since 20, probably the end of 2016. Wow. Um, so it's been around really? for, yeah, been around for a long time. 
and um and like in those early days it was also a very different story like i think the core was kind of there but the the presentation of it was very different it sort of leaned more into this like big epic battle thing um and leaned a little bit more into the kind of mystical sense okay whereas um i think now what we've gone for is i always quite like to describe it as i want to tell a story that um somebody at some point could retell as a tale like i'd love it to be the point where it's kind of like have you heard the tale of mizuki and hikaru and that kind of thing i'd love it to be something like that because i i feel like that's that's the kind of angle i was going for is i wanted it to feel very much like a a ronin tale and that there's a bit of truth in the the kind of history i think that's that's kind of my thing i think but, it's fair to say you sort of you've looked at historical elements and abstracted them to make something yeah. that's kind of um not as wooden as the truth and it's, it's a bit more fluid so it's um it's a bit more fa fantastical yeah. at the end so the yeah, end yeah. result is sort of something that's it's believable but it's also uh fantasy right yeah oh god yeah, yeah it was also just a case of um because i because I, I think i was working around those influences like i said where it was like a lot of classic samurai stuff whether it's kurosawa or like i even like read through a little bit of shogun that book is enormous <laughs> and it's huge it's like i don't know possibly big as it which is a, a big read yeah i think anyway i could be really wrong graphic novel. no okay it's a book right right um and i can't remember if it's a collection it's a bit huge graphic novel yeah it's but um it, like, yeah but it, it was big and it, that was very kind of traditional japanese and i i think as much as i love that kind of thing i did definitely want to lean more into the the fantasy side of it, um, considering we were talking about kind of mystical blades. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the kind of research and the informing of the writing was kind of seeing, well, what can I take that is um, historically true, blend it with fantasy and then give it a kind of semi-modern twist. And so like a lot of the dialogue I think this is where the Tarantino thing came from. Is yeah. A lot of the dialogue could feel like it's just modern day. Yeah, um, I get that. I was kind of very set on, I wanted it to be um, kind of pulpy in the way that it is read, um, rather than trying to go full authentic to that time. I wanted to kind of encapsulate my own little... We did discuss pocket. originally about having it in Japanese. Doing, yeah. Doing a version of it in Japanese. Which would have been gnarly. And I don't wow. know who would have approached yeah. to do that. Yeah. But I, it, you, we said initially, just because it's got such a uh, pulpy attitude, I don't, although it would look cool being in, in Japanese, I, it wouldn't, I don't think it would read right. It would always yeah. be like, it'd be like we've- It'd be very full. Yeah, it'd be like we've trans, what's the word? We've trans transcribed, converted it, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it'd be like we put it in the wrong language almost. Yeah. It'd be like accurate, but wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of it was kind of that, but I, I, I was definitely really aware. I think a lot of the rewriting came from the sense that even though I wanted this sort of modern twist, I still wanted like um, authenticity to it. I still wanted it to yeah. feel um, not out of place and not, um, I didn't want it to kind of read like a fan. That was my, my biggest worry with it was okay, that yeah, yeah. I think because it's, um, you know, Japanese history. I didn't want it to read like somebody's gone. Oh, well, they've clearly just watched 
Seven Samurai and then just rewritten something. I we made you made a lot of changes actually as you went along because we changed yeah. all the character names have changed from yes. their initial ones because I think the first the first set of names we chose were cool weren't they? But that was that was yeah. It, it was sort of like you probably heard those names if you've watched like um, the Last Samurai or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you do a bit of research onto more. Yeah, it was kind of taking it away names, from yeah. it reading like. Um, I think it was going from the idea of this being like, this is really cool, mm. to more being like, there's a story to tell here. And yeah, that makes sense. What, yeah, sort of like what feels correct to these characters and to the world rather than a sense of just serving the purpose of coolness. I think as well, because it's really pulpy. You didn't yeah. want to, you don't want to lean too hard into it being, although it's bombastic um, or bodacious, you don't want it to. Um, we, we didn't want to lean too hard onto it just into it being cool as well because it would just yeah. be nuts like and i don't we didn't really want crazy we wanted yeah. it to be yeah. like serious isn't the word but taken seriously yeah kind of right yeah, yeah, yeah rather than just being like a romp yeah yeah definitely you've managed to get uh bodacious bombastic and gnarly into this so far, which are three of my favourite words. Oh, yes. <laughs> when did you say gnarly? I completely missed that. It's good. It's a strong word. Right, I'm coming over to you now, Harry. So mm -hmm. tell me what the process was like for building the visual world for the Red Wave. Okay, right. Well, thus far, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a lot of the way into that, considering it's, it's basically been pitched, essentially. So I've only done the initial six pages in the cover, but boy have i done some googling <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so, these, are, uh, these are pretty impressive pages like as i've got oh, it open you. on my other screen in front of me this you don't undersell it this is really cool it, i think it's fair to say it's definitely my favorite comic work i've done um and those the pages you have now are, are kind of not old but they're not they're not my newest newest work so it's good to be able to look at those and still appreciate like i think the the problem with being an artist is you quite quick and quite um quick to brush things off so i can i can finish yeah. thing one something one second i'll enjoy it but then i'm quite happy to just scrape it and send it away so the red wave is definitely something i look back at now and although it's 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 been around for a while um not publicly but it, i've i've had it for so long um i'm still happy with the work that i've made so that's that's a testament to how it looks i guess i think as well you you've had so much attention to detail with it just mm -hmm. from reference work like you yeah. having been around since 2016 um i just remember countless times that harry and i would go to the cinema and harry would say oh i found this picture of this mm. or i found this picture of this and i think i remember one time where we were coming back to the cinema and you were like i've got a folder on my phone that's just full yeah of samurai art and like references and stuff. And I, I got. Like, I ended up compiling so much reference imagery. I I had to transfer it all over to my iPad because <laughs> I didn't have enough storage on my phone. So I've got a folder on my iPad. Just, I've just. Um, I found so there's so much good material. Thank God for Google. But you can literally Google Edo period Japan, whatever, and it, there's reams of it. It's really really well documented, which is amazing for something so old. Yeah. Um, but because because the armor is armor and. And everything about Japan is so well, so much so loved. It's it is really well documented. So I've been fortunate with the reference material to be able to basically pick and choose um, quite easily. There's not a lot out there I haven't been able to find out. So yeah. I've gone very, I've gone really deep into it though. So I was because I, I wanted to be authentic as much as Nick wants the story to be authentic. I want it to be visually authentic. So I've taken a lot of time um, 
looking at like samurai armor, right? So like all the different layers. So I actually know how it's correctly worn now, which is quite fun. Wow. Um, so I know, uh, yeah, and like all the all the words and names, like because you can literally find all the diagrams of things. And one of the the best references for it was actually the props department for the Last Samurai, because all the costumes are they're not they're not original samurai armor, but they're made as damn close as you can. And there are so many pictures of all the different layers because it's like, there's like underdress and then there's like yeah. parts that go over and then everything wraps around. It's all like all the different, like the, the words, it's not ropes, but then it's all basically connected by different ropes that go onto different sections of the plate and stuff. And like that, I've enjoyed like the intricacy of that massively. Mm. Um, but But luckily I think it's it's a bit flexible in that the story is essentially fantasy. So, as much as I need, I want things to look authentic. I can sort of um, oh, I, can, I can bastardize it a little bit. So there's I'm able creative to creative like, freedom in there. Exactly, I'm able to put like a bit of me on top. So there's there's been like decisions I've made visually where it's like I don't know. I've got no reference to be sure that anyone wore a scarf, right? for example but it looks damn cool and there's nothing to say you don't have those materials in the time yeah. so as long as it looks correct and it's not like you know got tartan on it yeah. i can put that in there um so it's sort of like it's been it's not too uh restrictive as far as as far as um everything i've had to pump out but the research has been it's not been too challenging but mostly because there's so much material out there but yeah i think creating the world is, has just been a case of just looking which is nice because like I say I enjoy reading but I don't do enough of it but because my work is visual I can literally just look through pictures I'm like a, I'm like yeah. a kid with a coloring book so I just I just scroll and find things I like and I save them and look at related images just find bits from films like video games are another a really good reference point so for seeing things in motion so you can I could look at scenes from like the last samurai and you can see how like fabrics and things flow and you can pause for like posture references or video games as well like Ghost of Tsushima yes. or um, yeah. For Honor yeah. they are they're really hot on like the detail of the environment and the armor and things so yeah. I've, I've been lucky that I can sort of grab material from anywhere it's very readily available so making it's not been so much difficult deciding what i put into the world it's more just rendering it yeah because as much as like the details all there it's a lot of work to 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 copy it basically or like it's pasted in um so yeah it's, it's been more of a task putting it down than it has been to find it i guess I can I can well believe it i have my copy open on page 4 which is kind of the uh, the armored up sequence, shall we say? It's the it's the panel that's got flashback to a to a fight scene with the with the mm. swords and everyone in their in their armor. So I was going to ask you, kind of, how long did it take to to draw something like that? How long did creating that page sort of take? I did that in like several stages, um, mostly because there's there's the inset panels which are yeah. my style, and then I've tried to emulate old Japanese art with yeah. with the rest of the page so it's almost i wanted initially it was going to be a giant battle page um so it would just be a shot of the battle i was going to go very like um like renaissance art kind of shot so and it was all going to be my style of drawing and i i discussed this with nick and i was like that was what i was going to go for and we were like sweet great and then um 
like it, what, I can't remember what it was that made me swap my mind, swap my angle on it. Do you remember? There was I saw something. Um, it was like an animated. Was it like Kubo or something? Yeah, like that? Kubo. There, there was something. There was some animated feature. Um, but you know how in it might have been similar to so Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows. If you've seen those ones, I'm not mm. mad for Harry Potter films, but there's a sequence where it shows you. Uh, the tale of Beetle and Bard with the wand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's all yeah. done like uh, silhouette work, so it just like completely changes the, the tone. And I was like, oh, it'd be great. It wasn't that necessarily, but things like that have definitely inspired it. And I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to do rather than just do a, a still image flashback of the character's memory of the of the battle. Why not do? Uh, why not remove it and have it as a as a, like a nod to traditional Japanese art? So it's basically a montage of of, of what the characters narrating in the top panels so when I was mapping it out um, I basically did the the there's three panels in set isn't there yeah. so the, the, there's the there's a top image there's a central sort of stylized inset of one of the characters and then there's the, the panel at the bottom and then the, the the dialogue that goes along with it corresponds to the art as you sort of read down the page so the Putting the characters in, I did all that first, and that was that was pretty straightforward. But the actual uh, inking and everything for the rest of the image, de it's definitely took the longest out of all the pages. I couldn't tell you without having the iPad to hand because I'd be able to look at the time it took me to color it. But that was definitely an intense yeah, page. It was, long. it was long. I sort of because uh, obviously you've got to pencil everything, then ink everything, then color everything. Um, it was a, it was a lot of work, but I um. I was so keen on making things authentic, I drew everything out beforehand a whole bunch of times. Ordinarily, I'm quite happy to do a, do some like loose preliminary sketches and then I'll just jump straight in. Whereas this one, I think I, I did like tight preliminary sketches for everything. It was like I'd probably drawn that page two or three times to get wow. it right before. Not at the same scale. Um, they were, you know, like thumbnail sketches of the different components and then I put it all together. I sort of divided it with the there's there's lightning yeah. on the panels which sort of div divides a lot of the shots, um, and it sort of it trains your eye from from the blade at the start of the image sort of all the way down to the bottom where it's being lost. Um, so yeah, a lot there was a, a lot of work went into it. But I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you the time, but many many days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a slog. Yeah. It's but a beautiful it paid day. off. Thank you. Yeah. It worked really well. And I think with the colors, I went for a lot of brush tools that were uh, like Japanese water brushes, so like koi water brushes. Yeah. I think I'm just going to I might have just, I might have just completely made something up then. So <laughs> I'm just going to, I would just know, I don't know what that was. But I was basically looking at like relevant brush tools for it. So where there's the flames at the top of the page and things like that, you can sort of see the, the texture as if it's, as if it's Japanese watercolor, essentially. So there was, a lot of time went into it, but I couldn't tell you an exact count. <laughs> so you've got letters from Pat Brusso, uh, who is somewhat of a lettering legend. How did that collaboration come about? Um, so that was um, basically Harry and I in the past have done all our own lettering. Yeah. So for all of Snow and Odyssey and stuff, we did all ourselves. And for the Red Wave, we both early on on the project basically said we sort of felt like we wanted the lettering to have a bit of a character to it because mm. um, I, I feel like this project especially is just something that sort of needs um, kind of like a creator's stamp on it 
and so Harry's kind of got his stamp on the art I've kind of got my stamp on the story and the lettering was something that I think just reading through tons of client books it really does make a difference when you work with a letterer yeah um in terms of just how they they position it on the page and the, the way that it all flows and like Harry said with his art where it's sort of like guiding you around a page I, I feel like a letterer sort of really knows how to do it and so when it came to us finishing off these pages and then looking for who we could work with Pat we just um I follow him on Twitter and uh I think I saw him just put out a tweet that just said he had an opening and I emailed and just said look this is the book that we're working on these are the pages we've got so far this is the story would you be interested and it was just amazing to say yes and it was very complimentary it was was, yeah it was like okay and and worked super quick and came out with an amazing job as well like it it came that's where it took about 10 minutes yeah like uh, we probably would have spent about four months being like because we were always sort of happy with the our lettering got a lot better yeah our our first lettering is shameful yeah (laughs) but um as it as it continued it was it was perfectly acceptable yeah but it wasn't special we didn't yeah and that's not knocking any of our previous work because i like the most recent thing we did before this i guess would be odyssey and the lettering holds out yeah but it's not um it's not it's not got a name to it yeah i mean it's not like a signature style or anything yeah Uh, we've just done what looks right so yeah, we definitely picked Pat because we want we wanted a ne- we wanted a name that could um, put their own put their own signature to the letter yeah. and do something appropriate, I guess, which yeah. we might not have thought of. Or definitely, I, I think that was it. And I think his style just adds something to it that just makes it look very um, interesting and, and of the time, and it just looks awesome. So yeah, we were just super lucky, basically, that he had a free slot and he did it and. It was just awesome. It was really, really good. So. And terrifyingly fast. That was the most upsetting. Yeah, because we really we were genuinely some of the some of the pages because amateurs is what we are. Yes. Um, we'd we'd um, we'd have like a page with loads of crazy sound effects and things on. We we could warp. We we got pretty handy using the tools, but well, what we thought was handy, we thought we were really good. Yeah. It turns out we're not really yeah. good because Pat did what we did in about six days, in about 16 seconds. Yeah. So it's like we sent over the pages, like we're expected to hear back from in a month. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like half an hour later, it's like email from Pat. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, God. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. It was It was definitely a kind of like, oh, that's how a, a pro does it. Yeah. Just right. put us off lettering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Just stand by. This is not. So we're so out of our depth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you're launching this on Kickstarter. Yes. What can uh, readers expect from the campaign? A variety of things. Good. Um, Good start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to have the, you'll be able to get the digital copy. So that'll be the first issue, just as a digital PDF that we'll send out to you for the end of the campaign or at the end of the like process of making it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Harry, yeah. you've got four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to launch. I was going to say that just got that deadline just got really. Yeah, really I know. Good. Yeah, did you see the sweat? <laughs> um, yeah. So at the end of the the project, you're going to email that. Um, we've got the printed book, so you'll be able to get a copy of the printed book, which will come with a bookmark. Um, so all printed copies come with a bookmark, and along with that, you'll also get the digital PDF as well. Um, and 
It's yeah. basically then tiers with with bonuses beyond yes. that, I guess. So effectively you can get there will be six. Six? That's correct, isn't it? Or is it seven? Technically seven. Technically seven, yes. So there will be seven art prints available oh, wow. of characters. Character character art, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The seventh has a slight asterisk mm -hmm. in that you could only get the character for the first weekend. So across the bank holiday, if you pledge to our project, you will be able to get this character. But past the Monday, you will not be available at all. So you've at got all. the weekend to get it. The only one available will be in my bedroom. So if you can get to me, <laughs> you might be able to help yourself a one-off. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, the rest is all kind of our six main characters. Um, so you can get those as like pretty much an 85 print, it's six by nine. Mm -hmm. um, color and yeah, you can either get one or you know if you want to buy two, you can buy two characters. But there's you can, add, you can add them on. So if you, yeah. if you wanted one tier and there was two of them you like, you can you yeah. can add whichever two. You can pick and choose. But and then there's later tiers where you can have yeah, there's the a bundle for all six. Mm -hmm. So if you know you want all six, you can buy that. Um, and then probably our like funnest. Tier. Funnest. Funnest. <laughs> the words have gone down. I've used audacious and gnarly, and now it's just gone to funnest. funnest. Uh, the most like, radical one? Radical, yes. That's it. Uh, is that you can have yourself drawn as a samurai. So, yes. So there's only, did we say, I don't know. I think we said there's only two tiers. So we basically decided, because we didn't want to make it so that everyone could do that. It had yep. to just be special. So Wait, two, two slots available. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. So there's two slots available in which you can become a samurai. So in that tier, you'll get the printed comic, you'll get the digital download, you get a little bookmark, you'll get all of the character prints. Yes. If you get it on the weekend at the beginning of the yeah. campaign, you'll you get, get the, the extra print. print. Exactly. Yes. And then you can also be a samurai. Yes. I mean, you, you can't, you're not a samurai. Yeah, that's a lie. But you could look like- Harry will illustrate you as well. Yeah, I will put your face and your body into samurai <laughs> armor. Yes. Or any, any Edo period attire of your choosing. It doesn't even have to be a samurai. You could be a farmer. Yeah, that'd be For cool. all I care, I'll do it. <laughs> I you would love be, it. You could be nude. If somebody out there does request to be like a rice farmer, that would just be awesome. Like if you've got the opportunity to be a samurai or ronin and you go, no, man of the people, you know, be so respected. Yeah. 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 Cool. But yeah, so, so you, there's two slots to get those basically. Um, so jump on them. Um, we try to keep it kind of um, not basic, but like grounded. We didn't want yeah. to go too wild on things. So we thought, you know what, there's, there's prints, there's comic. It's all about the comic and the story. So yeah. the comic's the readily available thing. The prints are nice little extras. And then if you're absolutely nuts for it, sure, yeah. I'll, I'll sketch you up. Yeah. If you're a retailer as well, we do have retailer incentives. Oh, yeah. So if you go on our page, you'll see those. And provided the campaign goes well and we get to make this book that we're incredibly in love with at this point um along the campaign along the the kind of project we'll be posting regular updates so you'll see tons of our sort of behind the scenes stuff and and we'll keep everybody updated with how it's going and 
what it's looking like basically so we have stretch goals in mind which we can't we, we can't discuss yeah it's silly to discuss yeah. now because purely because we have to hit the targets of doing yeah. and i don't want to i don't want to make promises but yes. we've had some pretty radical ideas which yes. would be awesome but yeah. I, i'm not saying this just because i want the project to happen because i do want the project yeah. to happen but i would love for the project to to breach the target yes purely because of this the, the one of the stretch goals i came up with and it's genius it is it's pure genius yes it's so uncontrolled. if that's not an incentive to pledge yeah. i can't, can't even tell you well, yeah could, if could. people are intrigued by what it is support our campaign and then we'll reveal imagine it. this is all a lie i'm just yeah I'm just, there isn't anything <laughs> no but there is there is there is something we've got plans mm -hmm. we've got good plans but i can tell you one of them because it's definitely not going to happen we were going to do a cool foil cover with like shiny yeah. stuff on Ooh, nice. we about, yeah. decided not to so don't get excited about that because it's not okay. happening yeah. but there is something that is happening that is well worth getting excited about which i cannot tell you what yeah. it is. so breathe that in yeah <laughs> well is there anything that you can <laughs> tell us about where the story might go in the future oh um how best to do this i'm so used to because i've been living with this for so long and only really talking to harry about it i'm so used to just spoiling everything sick of it. um but i think as it so goes on you moment don't spoil it yeah uh <laughs> um as it goes on i think the sort of mystical element might become more prominent mm -hmm um it's very very restrained i know right i thought you'd go more than that i mean i'm trying the problem is is i'm so used to saying i'm just i'm saying nothing because i will ruin, yeah I will exactly ruin. that's the problem uh if i nudge it's gonna be like bam spoiler yeah, yeah. So, i'm trying to just go like thematically where it's going but yeah mystical element is, is a possibility um brotherhood challenging honor I'm just giving you words now. It's effectively like there is a journey. And um, I think when people read the first issue, the end of the first issue is, uh, is the big setup. Something happens at the end of the first issue and it, it sort of sets up everything, I think. It's really hard trying to, trying to. Yeah sell what happens without ruining what happens i can tell you though that that the the final few pages of issue one are some of my favorite pieces of writing that i think i've done and i don't i don't say that lightheartedly either i generally think my writing is is disgraceful uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this project i'm the complete other way around i I'm really invested in where this story goes, which is why I'm trying so hard not to say where it goes because That's fair. I absolutely love it. And I want people to kind of experience that, but definitely there's a lot of dialogue towards the, the last couple of pages that I think is just, it's just really, every time I read it, I'm like, Oh, what's next? And I rarely ever do that with my work that I want to read what's next. This is, this is, something else i can happily read at any time visually you can that's the thing you can expect visuals to get crazy because they the visuals get will get crazy yes i'm i'm gonna be chained to my desk sweating with the amount if you thought that page in the first the, the, the first wow. six pages was was nuts think again yeah because there's some 
there's some more crazy things, which I haven't even considered how I'm going to get them to draw <laughs> in yet. Like I've, I've read all the, the plot yeah. and there is, there's some intimidating pages in there. So if, yeah. if you like the visuals that you see in the preview, it's only going to get more mental. And it gets more mental within the first issue. That's a promise. That's a Harry Hughes promise. Yeah. Issue one, visuals, they're going to go off the chain. Issue two, uh, much the same. Uh, there's four, Jesus. Four, yeah. yeah, it goes off. It goes <laughs> three, off hard. Yeah, I will say this actually. So three, issue three. We haven't, I mean, we're not, I mean, we, we haven't got that. We we're not having this issue point, one out. But yeah. you've, you've asked us about the future of the story. Okay, so, that's fair, yeah. Yeah. So we'll tell we'll tell people about things they might never yeah. get. Basically, pledge to this project because what's coming is incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the third issue is an issue that um, when we first started out didn't exist. So we pitched to ourselves, we were sort of like, let's just do a three-issue okay. arc, let's stick with that. And then there's a character that both Harry and I absolutely love in the story. Um, she's just awesome really enjoy writing her and she's effectively like the strong center of all these characters the moral yes yeah. yeah and um i think we both felt she didn't get enough spotlight through, yeah. through the original script which was three issues long so we nick wrote an entire issue for her for her yes so wow. the, the third part of the story is is it's not removed from the general plot but it is all about yeah i mean like integral character. stuff happens in it but very much is her issue and her sensibilities. And it's just, it took me a long time to crack it because I wanted to get it right. And so I went through a lot of variations of what it could be. And ultimately what it settled on is I just love it. I think it's, it's really, really cool. And it does, it changes the pace of things a little bit, which I really like. Um, well, there's a lot that happens at that point as well, yeah. which we can't explain. Yeah. But, and I won't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, that's issue three is, a, is like a big turning point yeah. to the tale. So yeah. if you, if issue one, if you enjoy everything that you're seeing about issue one from the Kickstarter campaign, and we've said already that if it, if it does well, we'll look into obviously releasing the other parts of the tale, whether we do it as a, as an issue at a time yeah. and then do a complete complete thing i don't know but yeah there's a there's a lot to look forward to visually and in terms of the story i think yeah um it's all it's all written yeah like all the scripts are done they're all locked sorted mm -hmm. um so we we fully know the story inside and out hence us struggling to describe what comes because yeah <laughs> unless we know it so well we've forgotten unless you want to turn this into an audiobook version of it and I will just read panel by panel. Um, it's <laughs> that should be yeah. one of the tiers. Maybe it will. Yeah. Maybe at some point. We'll Maybe a stretch that. goal. We'll just yeah. do a cassette. Maybe that's the surprise yeah. we were talking about. Maybe, we've, oh. <laughs> we've scheduled in some audiobook time. It's going to be Harry and I. Yeah, we've got Stephen Fry yeah. doing the audio. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah, it will be enormous. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, the story definitely. As Harry said at the, right at the start, it's character driven. Um, it's always focused on all these characters and their relationships to each other. And um, it's just a lot of, uh, I was going to say heartache then, but it's Ooh, telling. Maybe it is. Yeah, I'm going to end on that. I'm going to say Ooh. there's a bit of heartache. Okay. It's, it's pretty real. 
isn't it? Oh, yes. Real. We're we're doing all these buzzwords tonight. So real and heartache. Real heartache. Yeah. Misery. (laughs) Malcontent. Getting really heavy at the end here. Yeah. (laughs) If you're if you're a really miserable person, (laughs) just pledge. Just do it. it. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Well, best of luck with it. I hope that you reach your goal. I hope that I get to find out what happens in this story and uh, find out what the stretch goals are. Yes. <laughs> I need to know yeah, at this so point. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm more excited about the stretch goals currently than the actual pledging of tears. Yeah. Um, because, oh, I just, I just want to say it, but I can't. Yeah. But it's, a, it's a beauty. Yeah. It, anyone, anyone who has an appreciation for art and particularly notorious artists that's fair that's fair. that is fair um would be interested to know what this stretch goal is the first stretch goal that i think i did that without being you did that wasn't too revealing was it that was good that was good that was, yeah yeah, yeah. Well notorious done. Well done. artists yes <laughs> there are many <laughs> Okay, guys, well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this today. And no, thanks hopefully thanks we'll follow us. up further down the line to find out how well the rest of it goes. Yes, I really, I really hope that we get to make it and that we can come back on and I, I can actually tell you why the ending of the first issue is my favourite thing. Okay, yeah, you're coming it. back. You're that's coming back that's my time. hope. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's my hope. Cool. So thank you again to Nick and Harry for joining us today to tell us all about the Red Wave, and thank you to you for tuning in to this special edition of the Gate Your Comic Con podcast. For all the latest news from the world of film, TV, and comics, head over to our website, which is www.getyourcomiccon.co.uk, and don't forget to check out our fortnightly-ish podcast available on all major platforms. Until next time, bye!